Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I am your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett, and we want to thank you for joining us. Today's episode will be from our worship service, January 12th, 2020, on Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14, on being a faithful minister of Christ. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that this is a blessing to you. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Oh, can you adjust that? Thank you. It's weird when I'm not the one adjusting the sound, but I'm glad that somebody is, because uh, for anyone that hasn't, who I haven't talked to and asked for prayers, I have a pretty bad ear infection, so I'm trying to set levels this morning, and it was interesting. But I am here, and I am glad to be here to share the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, <clears throat> it's been interesting. Uh, Naomi and I have been here for just under a year. I think it may be a year that we arrived since we arrived on the island. It's either today or tomorrow. I can't remember, but and it's been interesting in this past year when I tell people that I am the music guy at NBC. <laughs> so, sometimes that is the reaction I get, but I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, but usually when I say that, I get the response of, you're their minister of music. And there's no question if I'm a pastor or not. It's always just, are you their minister of music? Which is true. But it's also not complete. And it's not complete because I'm a pastor too. I, I don't care about that part. But everybody in the music minister and in the music ministry is a minister of music. And today we're going to be looking at what being a minister actually means. And that how we are called to be faithful ministers for Christ. And we'll be doing this by looking at Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have brought us into this place, that you have called us here together. And while it may be a rainy morning, that we get to worship your holy name, that we get to be in your uh, ever-shining brightness that while the sun is hidden, we know that your glory cannot be hidden. And we just ask that today, as we look at this, as we look at what it is to be ministers of your gospel, ministers called by you, that we get to see your truth of this matter, that we get to understand what you have told, what you had inspired through Paul to the church in Colossae. In Colossae. We just ask that your truth is seen above all else, all else. And I just pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Like I said, we'll be looking at Colossians right from the very beginning. Uh, if you don't have a, a copy of the scriptures with you, it will be up on the screen. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in the in church, brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we had not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks be to God. And so before we really dig into this, to look at, at the issue of minister, I think it's good to know where that, that title came from in, in a church, to, to be a, the minister of music or the youth minister or the fill-in-the-blank minister. And, and it, in a large part, it came from authority. It was they wanted somebody to be in that role that didn't necessarily have the authority to be a pastor for whatever reason. And it may be that they had one pastor and the rest were ministers. There's a variety of reasons why that was done. But I think when we just, when we look at it that way, to refer to me as the minister of music, we kind of forget that it's not pastors, it's not church leaders, it's not ministry heads that are ministers, but we're all ministers. I may be leading ministries, but I'm not the only minister of music. Everyone that's up, that was up here on the stage this morning was a minister of music. But before we get into what this passage says about being a minister, let's just look at a little bit of background. And I feel like anytime I say let's look at a background of a passage, people panic a little bit because I, I like to go real deep. But we're not going to go that deep today. We'll go real deep next week. Don't worry about it. Um, but this letter was sent by Paul, who was obviously with Timothy, to this church and it was, obviously we believe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is why we keep it in the canon of Scripture. And from the way certain things are worded and other evidences that we have, we, we don't think that Paul started this church as he started other churches, but we think that somebody that was saved through his ministry possibly started this church, which is where his connection comes from here. Um, and we think it may have been the person that he named Epaphras that, that is that individual. And, and part of that is in large part speculation, but, but there is some good evidence to that. But we are going to look at who Epaphras is um, a little bit in this, uh, this morning. But the reason why he wrote this letter, which becomes more evident, eh, that's fine, through the letter, that uh, it's because they're struggling with some kind of false teaching. And this letter is written not just to encourage them, but also to correct that teaching and make sure that they keep going in a path glorify, to glorify God. So I think when we look at this, especially this section, we learn a lot of what it is to be a minister. And the first is that we need to thank God. Before we can do anything in his name, we need to thank him. We need to give never-ending thanks to God. There's so much that he does for us that we just, we don't think about. 
we need to be thankful for all things big and small. We can be thankful for him that my ear infection isn't as bad today as it was yesterday. We can say it's coincidence or whatever else. It may just be, well, over time things get better. Yeah, but it's that way because of him. He's granted that. We too often focus on just the big things or even just the bad things to be thankful to God for. We thank him that he saved us from a, a car accident. But we don't thank him every day that we drive from here to work and that we don't get in an accident. But we can be ever-ending thankful to God. Now, if we named off everything every day, we may not have time to do that. But that should go to show how much we should be thankful to him. And we need to remember that we don't serve him because of how good we are or that my abilities are just so good that the church couldn't do without me. We serve him because he's given us the abilities that he has given us. He's given us the experiences that he's given us so that we can serve the church as he has called us to. We need to know that he equips us, he prepares us for whatever ministries that he has called us to. He'll never call you to a ministry that you aren't equipped for unless he wants you to be equipped through that ministry. And we need to know that we can do nothing except through him. And we see that idea all through scripture. But we see it here in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And the, the word qualified here isn't talking about qualified like I'm qualified for a job because I have X degree or what, what not there. It's that he made it so that we can be that. It's something even deeper. It's not that he's qualified us by giving us information or giving us skills. It's he's qualified us by calling him to, calling us to him. He's made it so that we can share in that inheritance. And we need to be thankful for him in that. Now, he has also qualified us in all of those other ways. He's given the musicians the ability to do music. He's given uh, the, the youth ministers the patience to be youth ministers. And all of the other skill sets that we have, the, the financial overseers and all these other people, he's given all of those, those abilities, and he's qualified them in those ways. But how much more important is it that he's qualified us to share in the inheritance of light? And throughout this section, the apostle proclaimed his thankfulness to Epaphras, to this individual. And I have to say, most of the time, I feel like when we read this book, when we read this epistle, we kind of just skip over Epaphras, partially because he's just kind of named and you keep moving. He's not named in the rest of the book. He's, not, he's, only, he's named one other time in one of the other Pauline epistles, so we know a little bit about him. But that's all. We know a little bit about him. We can sketch uh, a pretty decent biography of the Apostle Paul through all of the things that he says in his different letters and where we see him else in, in the, the New Testament. But we can't do anything like that for Epaphras. And I think that goes to show something very important about being a minister of the gospel, being a minister for Christ. <clears throat> Because although he was known very little to us now, he was obviously well-respected in that time. Just because Paul could write his name in that letter, and obviously he knew that they were going to know who he was talking about. He didn't have to explain that guy that did this thing. 
And what we can see from that is that Epaphras was a faithful servant, but he didn't look for credit. He didn't, he didn't seem to want to be that credit, that big name. He served God to share the gospel. And I think sometimes, and, and it's just an innate desire of ours to do something so that we're remembered three or four generations out. And maybe we are called to do that because we have plenty of those. We have people like Charles Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards and many others that, that are known so, centuries after their lives. But that shouldn't be why we're serving God. We should be serving God because we love him and he has saved us. But again, when we look at Epaphras and the way Paul talks about him, and again, it's just a fleeting thought. It's just a one-sentence idea, but he used the word beloved. It wasn't just this brother in Christ. It was this beloved, faithful servant. It gives the, the feeling that he was important to them for some reason. Not only does this go to show how we need to act in our ministries to serve God because we are serving God, not serve God to get credit, but I think it also shows that we need to be thankful for other ministries as well. Paul wasn't thankful because Epaphras helped his ministry. He was thankful because of what Epaphras had done in, his, in Epaphras' ministry. Man, that is a lot to say his name that many times. But, um, and even though he was this important and goes unknown, he was important enough that the Apostle Paul thanked him for what he had done. And I think too often we, we just pass by other ministries or it, we help for a little while, but once it falls off, we don't really acknowledge it very much, but we need to be thankful to God for every ministry, even if we're not a part of it or we can't be a part of it for whatever reason. And I think something that we see in this and the way Paul is talking is that we need to have a time in our personal devotional time, in our personal worship time, to be thankful to God, to go through those things that we're thankful for him for. Even if some of that is just, I'm thankful to you, God, for all the things that you do that I don't recognize. One of my friends in college once asked the question, what would we have if we only had what we had thanked God for recently? And that might be putting it in a little bit of a materialistic way. But even so, when's the last time you thank God for your spouse? Or you thank God for your children? Or you thank God for your parents? Or you thank God for your, the, the, the job he's given you? Or or all of the other blessings that we have. And I think when we look at it that way, we realize how little we actually thank God for. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Amen. And th that's not bad, but we still need to spend that more time and that more deep thanking him for everything he's given us. <clears throat> And as I was studying this passage and thinking through this idea, one of the things came to mind is to, to switch perspectives for a moment to yourself. And I know it's difficult for us to think about ourselves, but let's, let's just go for it for a minute. And if we go through the week and we do all the things that we do and we're never thanked for anything that we do, 
How disheartening can that be? Now, it's not to say that we do the things that we do to be thanked, but how encouraging is it to get a simple thank you for what you've done? I think one of the best examples of this is holding the door at Starbucks or whatever other place. I know not as many people go to Starbucks as often as I do, but so fill in the blank. Um, but when we open the door and hold the door for somebody and they pass by and thank you, oh, thank, yeah, yeah, okay, that's a nice little thing. But if we hold the door and we're not even acknowledged, how annoying is that? Now to switch it back, how much more deserving is God of that thanks? Not just for all the other things that he does, but because he opened that door. He sent Christ to die on the cross, which opened the door for us. It made it so that we can enter in through faith in Christ to be with him in his paradise. How much more should we be thanking him for that, let alone all of the other things that he does? And how much more should that make us want to go out and tell everybody else about that open door? Make, people know, make sure people know that that door is open for them too. We need to be thankful for everything that he does. But then we continue, and there's this emphasis on prayer. It shows how much Paul prayed, because in this first little section, in this first couple paragraphs, he mentioned how he prays for them twice. In verses 3 and verses 9, he says how when we pray for you, and we have not ceased praying for you. We know that we need to pray. We talk about needing to pray. And when we come together, especially in this church, I, I very much appreciate when we come together, we do pray. But how much do we each individually pray as individual ministers of the gospel? When you're getting ready to go out and do something, do you pray? And that's something I'm just as guilty of sometimes. That I don't always pray before leading something. I don't pray the morning that I'm uh, leading worship except maybe in the, the deacon prayer meeting. And that's something in the past few months that I've been being very vigilant on, making sure that I am praying in that time, that I am praying before I come up here and that I'm praying with the choir or that I'm praying with the praise team or that I'm praying with whoever else. But I make sure that I have that personal time of prayer as well. I want to have that time to thank God for what he's given me. I want to thank God that he's made me healthy enough to lead. I want to thank God for the training that he's given me. But I want to ask him to make sure that I can keep doing what he has called me to do. In this time of prayer, we bring these things. We bring the needs and thanks that, that we see, that we know that we have. But that means that we need to go and pray. We, we all may have... The, the prayer warrior friends, and it's a wonderful thing to have. And I have plenty of people that when there's a need or concern, I send them a text or I send them an email. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to pray for it too. Obviously, Paul knows that they're going to be praying for their own ministry, but he prays for them as well. And we need to be praying for others' ministries. We need to be praying for friends' churches. We need to be praying for other churches on the island. If we know that there's a church struggling with something, we should be praying for them. We should be praying with them. If there's a, a ministry that we've been a part of that we can't be anymore, maybe because we moved to the island 
or because they moved to the mainland or whatever else you want to say. That doesn't mean that we should stop praying for them. And it's the same with missionaries. We pray for those missionaries. It is always a good thing to have a list that almost seems too long to be praying for everything. It means that the gospel work is being done if you have too many missionaries to be praying for. But I promise you, you'll never run out of time to be praying for them. And we have that with this, this evangelistic effort that we're doing this year that I, I talked about a couple weeks ago with Who's Your One. One of the central ideas to Who's Your One is that we're praying. We have this one individual that each of us is going to be sharing with, and we're going to be praying for them every day. But just because I have my one doesn't mean I should be the only one praying for that person. Now, that doesn't mean you know who they are necessarily, but you can be praying for the one that I'm reaching out to, as I will be praying for all of you and the ones that you're reaching out to. And it could just be praying for something as simple as, Lord, I pray for all of those that people are reaching out to through this program this year. It doesn't need to be mentioning every person by name, but it could be doing that and then naming a few every day. And I pray for, for Ray's one, and I pray for Miss Maureen's one, and I pray for Naomi's one. I may not know who they are, but I pray that they're able to reach out to that person and speak this truth into their life. And I think one of the best times that I saw this, this need for prayer is at mine and Naomi's home church in Texas, uh, Church of Christ the King. Every other week they had Bible study, and it's a very small church, so they, they did their Sunday school as one Sunday school. They didn't have a couple different classes at different times. They had one Sunday school together. Every other week was a lesson taught by one of the elders, and the other weeks were just prayer. It was just an hour of prayer that the church came together, and they, we shared our requests, and they prayed. And even since Naomi and I have left the church, not just moving here, but when we started doing music in other churches and helping out other churches as well as there, when we had something, we brought it to them, and they still took that time to pray as a church body. But not just that, but once a month in the, the worship services, they would have a five to ten minute time of prayer in the worship service, raising needs and concerns of the church body. They would give uh, five or a few minutes on a certain subject for whoever to raise a prayer out because they know how important prayer is. We need to be praying for all of these things. We need to be praying for all of the people and all of the ministries that God has shown us. And we need to be praying for ourselves that he shows us what ministries we're supposed to be involved with. But then we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I think this means a few different things. I, I feel most passages in Scripture aren't as simple as just what it says, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Obviously, this isn't saying make sure you walk down the street well. But I think it has two different meanings. One of the meanings I believe that it has is that we're not to be complacent. We're not just to say, well, things are going well, so we'll just leave them as is. In all of our ministries, when we just become complacent, that's when ministries start to fade. Now, that doesn't mean that we should do new or weird things that we don't see in Scripture, but maybe we look for other ways to reach out. Maybe we look for 
other ways to proclaim his gospel. Maybe that means that we need to have more times of prayer or something else to prepare us to go on in that ministry. But if we are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, we're moving forward. We're not just sitting there and being okay with the way things are. We need to be looking for the way that they should be. And in this, we need to seek to do what's right. And that's very often not an easy thing. Uh, This past Wednesday, Pastor Dennis and I went to uh, a training at the convention office with Dr. Queen, who was here a year and a half ago or so. And it was a similar training to what he did here, um, but a a shorter version, and he added in some of the the Hoosier One material so that we knew how to move forward with that a little bit better. But one of the things that he talked about is how difficult it is sometimes to share the gospel with your family. And he gave us a story himself of sharing with his father and how difficult that can be because your family knows who you are at your best and at your worst. And how easy it is for them to just brush it off. But if we're seeking to do what's right, that means that we're called to share, even when it's difficult. Now, that doesn't mean that we should shove it down their throat, but that means that we should prayerfully share with them even when it's not easy. And similarly, in this, we're called to grow. In this verse, we see the idea of increasing in the knowledge of God. In the same way that we can become complacent in our ministries, we can become complacent in our understanding of God and our knowledge of him. And in this, I'm not saying that we all need to go and get seminary degrees or we need to get more and more seminary degrees, which if anyone's interested in seminary, I'm sure we can plug you in. But that's not necessarily what this is talking about. This is talking about making sure that you're reading the scriptures, that you're getting to know him better by what he has given us, that you're meeting with people and studying scripture together, that, you're, that you have a Bible study, that you have a small group, that you have an individual that you meet with to study but we are very clearly called here. Part of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is increasing in knowledge of Him. Increasing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> and in this passage, I think the... There's a clear, uh, clear idea that in this increasing in knowledge of God and walking in a manner worthy of him, we need to see that we need to try and grow as much as we can, that we need to try and follow his example as best we can, but that at the same time we need to know that we will never meet that perfection that he's called us to on this side of eternity. It is only through his glorification that we'll receive in his return that we can actually do that, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for it, that we shouldn't seek to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, I was told a story by the pastor of that church, of Christ, Church of Christ the King, that uh, before he became a pastor, uh, before he was in seminary and while he was in seminary, he, he ran a bookstore. And one day he was talking to a gentleman and they were talking about theology. And this guy said something about um, being perfect on this side of eternity, that he had reached that point. And David thought he was joking. 
but there is a group of individuals theologically that thinks that they can follow the law exactly, perfectly, to be perfect on this side of eternity. And that's obviously not true, because we are fallen. We are totally fallen, and the only hope that we have is through God's grace. And that we need to seek to walk in this manner, but we should never become so conceited that we think that we can achieve it perfectly. But I think the most important aspect of what it is to be a minister of the gospel is that we need to remember that we are servants. We don't do this to get credit. We do this to serve the Lord. We do this to serve those in need. Whether that's serving those in the church in an area that you may be strong with, whether that's going out and serving the homeless, the hungry, the lost, whatever that is, we are called to serve, and we're all called to do this, to glorify His name. We are called to serve Him in all things. And again, when we see this reference to Epaphras, it's as a fellow servant. So the Apostle Paul isn't just putting himself, or isn't just putting Timothy and Epaphras, but also himself as that servant. We're all called to be servants. And we may see this as difficult sometimes. We may see it as draining sometimes. And sometimes it's difficult to go and do work that not only are you not paid for, but you know will come at a cost. But there's two great reasons why we do this to serve God. The first is simply because he's God. He's worthy of all worship. And he is worthy of us to serve him. And second is because he saved us. He saved us from eternal wrath to to his glory, to be his servants, to glorify his name. And we see this in verses 12 through 14 at the end where he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We need to know that we serve the Lord as he has called us to serve him. And I think one good example of this is Charles Spurgeon. So when I say the name Charles Spurgeon, most people probably either know who he is or at least recognize the name. And for anyone that doesn't know who he is, he was a pastor in England, and he was known as the Prince Prince of Preachers. Uh, His his sermons are still widely read today. His theology is still widely studied today. But he was, and he was a servant, but I'm not looking at him necessarily but the one whom Christ saved him through just like Epaphras there's so many pastors and ministers who we don't know really who they were Charles Spurgeon for all he did was saved through an unknown man he wasn't like the apostle Paul where where Christ appeared to him on the road to Emmaus He wasn't saved through some uh, apparition of God the Father. 
He was saved through the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of, of an unknown man. Spurgeon was walking through London on a snowy night when he was still struggling with this idea of faith and that he just couldn't believe. He went into a, a Methodist church just because it was one of the only ones opened and was saved through the, the preaching of the man. Preaching. And this man wasn't even the pastor of the church. He was a fill-in. He was like one of the deacons filling in when the pastors are away. And that's not to say that deacons can't preach just as well as a pastor can. But we don't know who, is, who he was. If I remember correctly, Spurgeon didn't even know his name. So this man had this effect through Spurgeon that radically changed the face of so much but he did it for a love of the gospel because he wanted to preach, not because he expected that to happen. And I think as we go out, we need to realize that being a minister is not something that we do to get glory. It's something that we do to serve and that it's an honest honor to serve. And I think there's a few things on how to be a minister of the gospel. The first is that we need to give thanks to God first and foremost, realizing what he's done for us and what he does through us. The second is that we need to pray, and then we need to pray some more, and then we need to keep praying. And in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul talks about praying uh, unceasingly. And we may not to be able to literally pray unceasing, but we need to always have that heart of prayer. We need to walk in a manner worthy of God. We need to strive to follow in his likeness. And we need to strive to get to know him that little bit better. Get to know and seek his face. And then finally, we need to remember that we are servants. Being a minister of the gospel means to be a servant of God. And it is an honor to serve and not a burden. But I think this week as we go out, and we give thanks to him, we need to ask, are we acting this out? Are we actively giving thanks to him for all that he does? Are we praying to him? Are we ministering to the lost and the hurt? Are we seeking to share his gospel? And are we acting as his servants? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this morning, and while it may be dreary after a week of rain, we thank you for the rain that we know that without it, that, that the ground dries up. But we know that, that you have given us this blessing as you've given us so many other blessings because of who you are. We know that we don't thank you enough and that we don't recognize enough what you do for us. We know that we don't come to you often enough in prayer and that we don't do all of these things with a heart seeking you. We ask that as we walk in this week that we see who you are and that you help us to see that we are ministers of your gospel, that we are servants of your name. And we just ask that you soften our hearts to this and that you help us to see how we can act that out in each of our own lives that it won't look the same as it does for me, as it will for somebody else, but you show each of us individually what it means to be 
your servant to be a minister of your gospel. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We pray that this was uh, a blessing for you. And if you need anything, any prayer, anything like that, especially in this topsy-turvy time, we ask that you feel free to email either myself or Pastor Dennis or Pastor John, or you can just email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. If you have any questions about this sermon or anything else, feel free to email pastor at mbaptist.org and just put podcast in the subject line. We hope that you'll join us again next time. Thank you.